Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast from the Lansing State Journal and Detroit Free Press focused on Michigan State sports. I am Phil Friend, your host and sports writer for the LSJ, joined by free beat writer Chris Solari and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch. Well, guys, we spent last week's podcast mostly talking about football and then a sprinkling of basketball at the end, but we are obviously going to reverse that this week. We have plenty to talk about regarding the Spartans basketball team, uh, especially after what happened last night at Minnesota. Maybe the worst game I've ever seen them play. In the four years I've been at the Lansing State Journal, I don't know where it ranks for you guys, but I think we'll find out soon. So we'll talk a lot about that. And then at the end, we will talk about the Michigan State football team in terms of they have one incoming player and a couple of guys have left and the former quarterback has announced his new destination. All right. Well, like I said, let's start with basketball. Uh, Graham, I'm going to go to you first here. Where does this game rank for you in terms of how bad this was? I mean, you've been here longer than me, but uh, I can't imagine we've seen too many shooting performances like that. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, the, the Texas Southern game, you know, about six years ago uh, was one of those that will always stand out where they lost to Mike Davis and a, a low major and, and just a, a truly putrid performance all around. Um, and they've had some games where they get blitzed somewhere, like blitzed at Purdue with the crowd and everything. And, you know, last year losing by 30 there. Um, but I don't know that, you know, I've seen a team. Um, it's been a while since I've seen an MSU team look as lost as this one did offensively. And, and I think that's what, and obviously the shooting is part of that. And when you're not hitting shots and, and the other team is, and, and it, it does bleed into your defense and, and it makes everything seem harder than it is. But they're also a really easy team to guard right now because there's not a lot of flow. There's not, they're trying to do everything, uh, you know, between the, 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 the elbows up top. The, the way they attack just doesn't make a lot of sense for the personnel they have right now. And they don't, I don't think know where they want to go with things. And so um, it was, uh, it's up there, man. Like I, I, you know, I don't know. And what's, what's interesting is, uh, you know, to have it in big 10 play like this for a team that's truly still trying to find itself, I think speaks to the year and and not having some things in the off season that you normally have and, and um, trying to make some things work, but yeah, no, it's up there. There's no question. Listen, I mean, this is, you know, there's what the the game a couple of years ago where they scored 16 points against Maryland in the first half. I mean, that was just a dogfight kind of defensive game. But this is this was. I, I was really surprised how how positive and upbeat Tom Izzo was, and I think he probably felt he needed to because I'm guessing there's a lot of guys in that locker room right now whose heads are not just drooping, but probably down between their legs um, and, and hanging really low in terms of you know, confidence factor in terms of everything else that goes along with it. Um, you know, the Purdue game, like you mentioned, um, you know, I think they scored 19 points in the half at that game last year. Um, that was pretty bad. Um, but Purdue was also a 
better team. Um, although I don't think this Minnesota team was that bad. Um, I, I think, you know, I had one of our colleagues in the media kind of mock me when I, when I mentioned before the game about the, uh, the seven footer Robbins and, you know, the, the dude that's seven feet and knows how to move his body and move the guys that are trying to guard him that are undersized. And that's a bad combination for Michigan state right now, you know, let alone the fact that Marcus Carr, you know, I, Izzo talked about he felt they did a good job on Carr, but, you know, Carr wasn't the focus of the game plan at that point, and he still got 19 and, and shot over 50%. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I think there were a lot of things. I, you hit on all the points, though. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see defensively what they, they can do to help um, because, you know, all three of their guards are getting taken off the bounce right now. Um, some of it's on them not being able to move laterally and get in front of guys. Some of it is on the fact that there's no help defense behind them. So, um, you know, and that's on top of the shooting problems that, that Rocket Watts has right now because um, I think he's 5 of 29. And, you know, you talk about moving him off the one to get him more comfortable. The goal for doing that is to get better shooting. And that didn't come last night. Yeah, you're talking about that. I mean, in the first half, they missed at one point they missed 12 12 straight shots, 16 of 17, and at one point were 4 of 31. I mean, that is it's hard to even quantify just absolutely how horrific that is. And that's a tr- I mean, that's a trend. It's been the shooting's been trending that way for a bit now, but I don't think we could ever could have expected anything like that. I mean, the big problem is that they they've got a, you know, I mean, I think they realize that Rocket Watts isn't going to be the point guard now um, or isn't best right there. It, it, it's a complex issue because I, I still think that had they gone all in on Watts, um, that this might have worked out a little better. Um, they've sort of had this, you know, Watts or lawyer thing. And as Watts struggled, go to lawyer. And um, I, I think that's a hard way to play in certain ways for a guy like lawyer you could argue you just you just live with what goes wrong for a while if you want to get the most out of him at a, at a point guard but ultimately he's one of your best two scores to your, your, your and he's he's the guy that teams fear the most so you not only right now are you getting nothing out of him because he's kind of paralyzed at the point um but he's grinding to a halt everything else you'd you'd like to do too so it's it really just doesn't work at, at, at any level and and so if you can at least get him wherever he's playing, playing at a high level, then teams have to account and deal for that, and then everything else becomes easier. The point guard is something that they've got to deal with, and there are a number of options and issues, and there are issues beyond that um, with this with this team. But um, getting Rocket Watts playing well when he's probably your most explosive and player that other teams fear the most, I think, is, is uh, offensively uh, item number one. Well, and the ball movement is another thing. And, you know, how how are you going to get the best ball movement on the perimeter right now? Because, I, I don't know, I think it was you that wrote about it, reminding you of, of, of a Miles Bridges team. Am I right about that? I, I wrote something yeah. about how they just gone through Cassius Winston back then. And then, you know, but I'm not sure if it's the same piece you're referencing. Yeah, it was either you or Sean Windsor last night that wrote about that. And, I, I mean, you know, that's when you have a ball-dominant guy like that, um, that was the that was the greatness of Cassius Winston, right? I mean, he wasn't necessarily what you would call a ball dominant guy, but he could score in bunches, um, you know. And he was your primary scoring threat, 
you know, from outside, attacking the basket and setting other guys up. Watts is a guy that needs to get his and can create his, um, kind of like Bridges in that way. But what does that do to the other four in the offense? You know, how does that affect the flow? And you, you think about how early those, in the season um, they were sharing the ball really well, right? Um, they were moving it. It was crisp. And that passes, I mean, it, it's slowly dissipated. And I think the other thing on the other side is they're giving up so much to point guard, opposing point guards right now um, on the defensive end. I mean, you know, since that Detroit game, uh, they have struggled against, I mean, Beardis White at Western Michigan and, you know, Davis at Detroit and, you know, all three of them, I mean, you know, Boo Booey and, uh, Demetri Trice. I mean, and uh, you know, so all those guys. I mean, like I said, I mean, you could say numbers wise that you did a good job on Carr, but he still shot fifty percent and had I think five or six assists. So I mean, you know that, and on other guys like Gabe Kalsher were taking taking your guys off the bounce. Jamal Bashburn Jr. Um, there, I thought there was a lot of things that you know they need to work on. Both, it's all to me starts at the perimeter. I think that's how is those teams have always been you, you you're a guard dominant team you're you know everything it, everything relies on your guards playing at an optimal level and i don't think they are right now and i don't necessarily think the guys underneath are playing that great either what do we make of the aaron henry situation uh obviously he did not start i don't know if it was a thing where tom is a wanted to try to jump start him a little bit by maybe thinking bringing him off the bench might be the way to go although that doesn't really seem like the right solution, that was just uh, an idea I had watching that game, or was it a disciplinary reason, or or what do you think is going on with the Aaron Henry thing? I, you know, well, he said he said he said it was to to try and spark him. Oh, you yeah. know, sorry, and, I missed that. Well, and, and yeah. he also he also wanted, you know, I, I think he, the idea was you got to he wanted uh, Watts off the ball, and you're gonna that meant starting lawyer. And then, you know, so we needed somebody had to come off the bench. I don't think that's going to stick. I, I think the mistake in it is, um, and, and one quick thing on the wall, I, I think they've got to really work on, they've got to change some things structurally they're doing and get some, you know, get some reverse ball screens with with, 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 with Watts and Hauser. Those those two guys are the guys that can put people in a pickle, right? And 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 uh, get Watts on the wing working at not, you know, a, a different third of the court. But um, I, I think the other thing with, um, with, with Henry is, you know, Henry is a guy who is, is, is a little fragile, I think, and, and can be, and we've seen that at times. And, but he's also, if he gets going, he's, he's a really helpful tone setter. I, I thought, you know, one of Izzo's mistakes was pulling Henry out early in that Northwestern game when they're up four, nothing. And Henry had two early steals and, and then he talks to him for 10 seconds and they don't get another stoppage of play till it's 11, four. Henry is, Henry is a tone setter. And when you start, when you take Henry out, and you start Foster Lawyer defensively, and, and part of basketball is not letting opponents get comfortable. You are asking the other team to be comfortable offensively, and and Joshua Langford, who you know, I think everybody in the world appreciates what they've gone, what he's gone through, and, and you know who he is to the program and him sticking around. He's not like uh, watching that game last night. He's not. He's just not quite the player he was. He's not. He was never the quickest cat, and right now he seems a little bit slower on that. Didn't seem great defensively yesterday, and and I think if you're going to bring somebody off the bench, uh, it, it, it's it's probably him. Um, if you're going to make a move at the point guard spot, but I, I you know I would consider even Langford as a is a backup one at times because he's going to make the right decision. 
um, and he's going to slow it and everything would be get slowed down while he was doing that. I would, I think there are a lot of options. Um, you know, there are a lot of things you got to think about there in terms of what you want. And, 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 um, you know, and, and there are some, there are some things they have to come to grips with like foster lawyers should be, I mean, he was your junior. He was the guy who you brought in to be the point guard right now. And he's not, that was a, that was a, uh, you know, and, and foster lawyers is, is, is turned himself into a serviceable player. But ultimately, based on your level of recruiting, he has not lived up to the player that should be a junior right now at that position. Instead, you're in this rocket watch spot. So there are a number of things that, you know, I mean, I, I got a little off track on, on Henry because my mind's everywhere on this game. But um, so I don't know where you are on that, Chris. Well, I mean, you know, that I think that's why you saw in the offseason them going after Kareem Manet. Uh, I mean, I think that was you know, the one guy in particular who I think they felt could have come in and, and been the one um, and, and run the point. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know where you're at at that point in terms of of what you can do. Um, the Langford situation, I mean, I think it was, what, I, I, two, three years ago, they tinkered, they feel like Izzo tinkered with that a little bit, um, having him bring a ball up. Um, it might have been lawyer's freshman year. Uh, maybe it was the Louisville game or something that when Cassius fouled out and, um, but so they've done that before. I mean, Hogard, I think, you know, I think you got to maybe give him a run, um, and see it because he's of the guys that you got, he's probably the one that has the physical and mindset, uh, to, to run the one, uh, for what you want and what you want to be. I mean, I saw, I thought he was attacking. I thought he was aggressive, but I mean, at the same point, you, you know, you're going to have to live with some mistakes there um, because he's, he's not necessarily, I think um, he's not Cassius Winston, you know, he's, he's looking for his too. Um, you know, and, you know, I think everything right now for this team, I don't know if anything feels like it comes naturally. Um, even Aaron Henry doesn't look like, you know, as he gets trapped in midair, as he, you know, goes for jump stops and, is looking lost, trying to figure out what his next move is rather than making the move as he's, as he's going to the basket. I mean, there's, there's a lot of trepidation right now. And I, th- I think the other thing that you mentioned about the fragility of this team, I don't know I don't know where any of this team is really, quite honestly, in, in terms of a mindset. They've dealt with so many crazy things. These guys have been on campus since June, right? Um, you know, they, they go into November without a schedule. Um, all these things, but isn't that the same for every you know, team, though? Well, it, it, it isn't. Here's where it's different. It, 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 it is is if you if you're returning five starters like Wisconsin is, um, the, the off season and some of the the, uh, the the things you need to work out aren't there. You know, one of the things you get in a regular summer of open gyms is you learn sort of a pecking order of players. You learn who you like to play with and how things work. That gets sorted out in a team, and you know you you, don't, you didn't get that this year. Um, but, so, but it's, it's more important when you don't have a point guard. I mean, that's, I mean right. that's where I was that's, going with that is the fact that, you know, you're dealing with all this stuff and you're doing it while you're trying to figure out who's running the offense in a, in a point guard dominated system. So, I mean, that's, that's hard. That's, that's really hard, you know, and you know, that I'm also on top of that, when you start to get that first taste of, of losing like this, which none of these guys really have, how are you going to pull yourself out of it? You know, are, is this, you know, you think about the Izzo teams of the past. If they got into a three-game losing streak like that, he would be riding them hard at practice. I don't know if he feels like he can right now because of all the things that 
that they're coping with. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's a lot, you know, I mean, I, I think back. So, so think back to the Christmas game and, you know, him kind of is kind of casually mentioning that Aaron Henry's parents couldn't make it last minute. Well, I thought immediately back to the Duke game last year when Cassius Winston's mom couldn't go because she just wasn't feeling right. 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 And that affects kids, you know, it affects kids more when they're already dealing with something else. Um, you know, we don't know. I mean, Izzo has said that some of his guys have had COVID. We don't know who, we don't know how badly they've been affected by it. Um, so I don't know. I, you know, even Izzo himself hasn't, you know, I mean, he, he, he hasn't been necessarily as demonstrative as normal. And, you know, what do you account that for? Is it because of the guys he's got, or is it because he, he maybe physically doesn't feel like he's right there? I don't know. I think it's also sympathy for the guys in their situation and, and just a realistic, you know, picture of what guys are going through. And look, you're right, though, in the, Phil, in the idea that they just played Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, and those teams look considerably better. And, and was, you know, um, now all of those teams had a returning point guard and knew what they were going to do with that position. But there were there were new people to, uh, to acclimate on, on each of those rosters. Um, and, and so there, there are, are definitely things that, that, you know, that's not, that's not a full, full excuse. And Michigan state is better off for having, um, Joey Hauser, for example, they, they just, you know, and, and we should keep in mind that they were up nine on a really good Wisconsin team in the second half. Now Wisconsin just went laid an egg against Maryland, but, uh, that they were, you know, they were up nine early in the second half against Wisconsin and looked like a team that, that, that had some purpose. And, um, you know, what, what they need though, is they need something something they can hang a hat on and you know if, if you know you can rely on defense and you can really get stopped when you need it and and then you, you're you're struggling offensively you can get through some stuff and uh they're not there right now they don't they don't have that defensively and and you know the, the problem with admitting that rocket watts is not going to be your one is you automatically make yourself a lesser defensive team for the rest of the year. It doesn't mean he's not guarding the one, but it means the likelihood of a Foster Lawyer or A.J. Hogard being on the court is greater. And you're a lesser defensive team with either one of those guys uh, playing than you would be uh, you know, without them. You know what's interesting? Think about it this. Um, and this is the weirdness that this year is. Uh, three games in – and Michigan State is halfway through its one plays. They've got three one plays left. All three of these, they won't play these three teams again, which I think is, you know, from a schedule factor, um, you know, that's something to kind of keep in mind. I mean, their two plays are all still ahead of them. Michigan, Iowa, Rutgers, Ohio State, Indiana, Nebraska, and Purdue. Uh, their, their last remaining one plays, two of them are at home. One of them is Illinois. The other is Penn State. And then, then they're at Maryland for their last one play. So, I mean, schedule comes into play, play here. Um, but at the same point, when you look at this schedule before the year, if you saw Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, you're thinking two and one is the worst case scenario, and now you're on three. Yeah, and, and and you know it's a and the Big Ten is good. Northwestern is decent. Northwestern went out and beat Indiana and Ohio State, right? And so there there is a it, it's going to be a, a league where maybe the, their next opponent, Nebraska, is the the closest thing anybody's going to get to a to a night off and. Um, it's a game they, they need to win. Because it's another thing where you don't have, um, you don't have. It's a smaller non-conference resume. What you do in the in conference play ultimately 
get you in the tournament. And, I, and by the same token, I think, you know, Izzo used the line, it's not Panicsville yet. And, um, and, and he's right. Like, there have been MSU teams that have been in trouble before. And, and one the team that always stands out to me is the 14-15 MSU team. I remember talking to Matt Costello in the locker room that year when he was a junior and just how miserable everybody was. It wasn't a lot of fun. They were, they were barely they were on the NCAA tournament bubble. Uh, Travis Price was worn down. They didn't really have enough weapons. It was him and Valentine. And, you know, they, they inserted Tum Tum Nairn into the starting lineup and um, moved Trice and eventually put Trice back in the lineup, but off the ball to start. Trice's season took off late. Uh, you know, and Tum Tum was never a great facilitator, but he was a a bundle of energy. He was a guy who could defend and he, you know, came down the court and, and, uh, and, and you know, people got the offense and it, it, it worked for that team. They're going to need, so there, there are things that can change quickly. Last year against Michigan, I wrote on February 8th, I want to say that I didn't think it was going to come together for that team, that I didn't think they had enough. And two weeks later, they were the best team in the big 10. And two weeks after that, it was, they looked like, uh, they could compete for a national championship and never got that opportunity. So it, it is, I think it's a little foolish to, you know, the last time they were rowing three, they would have won a share of the Big Ten title. They had a young team that wasn't that good with uh, Alan Anderson and, and uh, Chris Hill as freshmen, and they would have won a share of the Big Ten title if Lucas Johnson's uh, fat ass didn't land on Marcus Taylor's head at, uh, and, and make him miss the Northwestern game, which they lost. If they win that, they get a share of the Big Ten title, and and even that team wins a championship. So you know it, it is things can be you know uh, they they got to get a win here soon, but it can be too early to judge the season. Yeah, I mean Nebraska comes at the right time. Now, you know what else helps? I think them is that not having fans in the stands at Nebraska because it, even when Nebraska has been bad, they've still it's been a tough place for Michigan State to play the last few years. And I think Hoiberg will coach them up, but I think not having that energy that that uh, their arena presents uh, works in Michigan State's favor. But you got to get better. I mean, you got to you got to get better in a hurry too. And you know, I don't know what you do. I mean, is there who's the Bryn Forbes of this team, right? I mean, you could say maybe Gabe Brown, but you know, I don't necessarily think Bryn Forbes took bad shots early in his career until he caught fire. That's one thing that I think that. There's, I don't know if there's a, a guy that you see on this roster right now that you, you say, okay, this guy can can hit that knockdown shot that allows you to move those other guys around. I don't know. I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of pieces in a lot of places. And I do. I think the one thing, though, I mean, that, that maybe helps Izzo right now is you think about how much he's had to reinvent his team in the last two, three years on the fly. Um, that, I think, is maybe something that we haven't really talked enough about because he's maybe at his most adaptable as a coach. And, you know, they need that right now. I think that they need Izzo to, to figure out. I mean, that's, I think that's where the frustration point is for him. And you saw it in some respects uh, after that game. I think that he, he realizes that it's on him right now to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, and, he, and it's not like the uh, the NBA or I mean, these are the guys you recruit. So the the, the you may not you know if, if they don't develop or they aren't what you need them to be, 
that goes that you, you still chose them. <laughs> I mean, like you really do have to, it's on you to, it's on you to fix them. And, and, you know, I still think all but about 10 teams in college basketball, if you had their coach over a beer and a moment of truth would, or anonymously would choose MSU's roster over their own. And so I don't, I don't think it's a lack of talent. Now there are places where the parts don't fit and they've got issues on the, in the paint too. I mean, Marcus Bingham jr. Is, is, um, it just it just isn't working, and you know. And you know what though? I I I was I'm going to stop you though because I I I wonder what his night would have been like. Um, you know, we it got lost in the shuffle. But remember the play where Foster Lawyer got hit in the face with the elbow? Yeah, Bingham twisted his ankle pretty pretty roughly on that play, and I don't think he played after that. Yeah, but so, he had he hadn't been he hadn't been playing well for a while, and he'd been moved down in the rotation. That's right. So, uh, yeah, you know, I just I just wonder, I mean, because you think about the, the games that he had last year uh, against some of the better big men in the Big Ten were coming off the bench. He was he was a defensive force. I wonder if, if against Robbins, he might have had a similar kind of effect had he not done that to his ankle. Cause he, was, he was a plus two before he got hurt. Yeah, no, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, in, in Marble, right, right, though, they need, I mean, he, he's not playing like a junior. He's still playing like a project freshman. You're right, and 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 Marble has played well at times and not at others. And Gabe Brown is a guy that really has been disappointing. I think you know, it, it, you know, he his shooting numbers are okay. He's not much of a ball handler. He's had some athletic moments, but you know, and I think one of the things that hurts Gabe Brown, and and this is a little delicate, perhaps, is a, is a Joshua Langford. You know, I think because you know, there's a guy who would would have had a certain amount of minutes regardless if Langford hadn't been there, right? And um, and so he's looking over his shoulder a little bit and that stuff. But I, uh, you know, I, he, he, you know, you look at that junior class. This is a performance year. You, you, you know, and this is uh, those guys were were good enough recruits. And lawyer, to his credit, even though lawyer's first two years were disappointing, I think lawyer is 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 turned a corner where he he can contribute. And and uh, now he needs to take more shots. I mean, lawyer needs to treat the game like a Drew Neitzel. I mean, he passes up way too many. He can get a 15-foot jumper off a screen anytime he wants. He, talk, he the, the man needs to shoot more because that's his Division One skill above everything else. Um, and so I still think there are things that guys aren't doing that well. But you know, Aaron Henry and Aaron Henry. If if, if Aaron Henry, I, I, I credit his aggression because he's not disappearing like he did at times last year. But if he's a scorer for MSU, they're in trouble. Like his, that's not what his top skill is. And I'm not saying he doesn't want to score. What I'm saying is when they're going to him like a score and he's doing it because nobody else is there and he's taking tough shots, they're not going to win games with Aaron Henry taking tough shots. Just not going to do it. They, you know, they, they need their top, sh- their, the most shots of game ought to be coming out of uh, Foster Lawyer, uh, sorry, not Foster Lawyer, out of uh, uh, Rocket Watts and Joey Hauser, right? Those are, and, 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 and then they need Langford either to, to make some shots or, or take on a little bit different role. Do we, is there a concern for Joey Hauser? I mean, he's struggled, or is he just a byproduct of everyone else struggling at this point? It's kind of like the, you know, when a line, when a baseball lineup goes into a slump, um, you know, you, you hear that, that term that it, that it's hitting is contagious, but it's also, uh, so is, so is the slump. Is that kind of where Joey Hauser is right now? I mean, or is it a situation maybe where defenses realize that at this point, he's the only one that, that you got to stop? Um, on a consistent basis. Well, he did. He did sprain that knee slightly, and I wonder if he's a little bit slowed because um, he was playing pretty well. But yeah, I mean, 
you know, he's a guy that, you know, Izzo talked about playing through. And, you know, one of the things that, and Joey Hauser is not Draymond Green, but, you know, if you think about Draymond Green's senior year, that was the closest situation to this I can think of, where you had, um, you know, Brandon Dawson playing as a, uh, you know, a, a three-man, four-man, three-ish, you know, guy, athletic guy who didn't, who, who lacked certain skills. I mean, Aaron Henry's uh, got more skills than, than Dawson, but he's not quite the ferocious athlete. But you had a, a guy like Austin Thornton on that team, Brandon Wood. But then you had a Keith Appling as a sophomore uh, figuring out the point guard position. And it, and it, it worked um, because everything went through Draymond so much. And, but he was also a demonstrative personality. He was a guy who could help people accountable, a guy who picked people up, a guy who was uh, just drove that team. And I don't know that Hauser is that guy. I don't know that they have somebody who, who fits that mold. And you, you sort of – but I do think this week they need to reimagine a little bit what, what they're doing and what they want to do and be willing to deconstruct it or go all in with somebody and, um, and figure out what's what and who's really good and – um, you know, and, and whether, whether Hogard is part of the option or not, I mean, he's not, I mean, Hogard is to me, the problem with Hogard a little bit right now as a freshman is one, he's not, I don't know that he's going to be a, a defensive strength for you. And two, he, he's a guy who, when he attacks, he likes to score. I, I'm not saying he doesn't have, he's not a good point guard, but they don't need, they need a guy who gets people the ball at the right moment in the right place uh, more than anything right now. And maybe that's a guy like Langford. Maybe that's a guy, you know, you, you play through Hauser. Maybe that's Henry at the top of the key. Maybe you, you, you've got to rethink things a little bit. Maybe it is Lawyer. And then if it is, um, you know, the thing with Foster Lawyer, and I did some, some research last week where I was looking at their best and worst lineups and moments that went really well and really poorly. The lineup that does not work is Foster Lawyer with Joey Hauser at the center. You, you just cannot play that lineup defensively and be any good. And so you, you have to come to grips with that. You've chosen to recruit Foster Lawyer. You've chosen to make him to try to get something out of him. But if you are going to do that, that does limit what you can do on the interior and that, that you know, that you need to be more athletic in other places. And um, that's something they have to look at, too. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, I mean, Izzo talked a lot about the experiments. And, you know, they didn't have a normal offseason, you know, to do that. You know, like you mentioned before, I mean, a lot of these things get sorted out in practice, but you can't find those best five right now until you get them on the court against someone. And, you know, it, it, I, I kind of wrote about this after the Minnesota game uh, that, that posted uh, Wednesday more or Tuesday morning. Um, you know, he kind of hinted at this when he talked about they might need to sacrifice early. Right. Um, you know, he was talking about just the, the minutes in the post, but you know, the, the, the message was there that, that the sacrifice might be we have to figure this out on the fly to figure out who we are for january february and march so you know that's i think you know something to keep in mind here and you know again i i I asked him about this too and it wasn't necessarily are you losing your locker room kind of question but more do you worry about these guys having basically their first taste of a losing streak and falling into a funk um and, and he said he's not worried about that um, you know, but he also realizes that he's got to figure this out and he's put it on himself too. And I think that's where it comes back to the last few years. I mean, you think about two years ago with all the injuries that they had and how much he had to reinvent his offense once then twice and, and a couple times, 
Um, but you think about the times when, you know, right after a guy came out or right after a guy came back, because I guarantee, you know, if someone gets hurt, we'll hear about that too, right? I mean, you know, so maybe Hogart is the guy, you know, maybe he just needs the reps and, and the minutes. Because I think there was a drive that he had a, a, a wrap, uh, maybe a drive and a wrap around past the marble for a layup. Um, so there was a flash of it, right? Um, so it's in the skill set. It's how do you get it to do it consistently? Do you, you know, he, he missed, what, a couple weeks of practice before the season with, uh, with a knee procedure. So, you know, he's behind the other guys uh, in terms of where he's at in, in reps and everything else. So maybe more reps will show that he's the guy. I mean, I, but I, I think that's still the part where Izzo has to kind of figure out now for what's to come, if that makes much sense. Yep. Makes sense to me. So before before we move on from basketball, I guess I want to I want to put you guys on the spot here. What do you think the starting lineup will look like Saturday night versus Nebraska, Graham? Um, I think Henry is in it. Um, I I think they may make. It'll be interesting to see what conversations are had with Langford. If if they're committed to Watts off the ball, then who is starting there? And I think it will be. Uh, I think there's a chance it's Hogard, but I bet you it's. I bet you it's lawyer at this point. Um, so I, I think you're going to go lawyer, um, uh, lawyer, and uh, Rocket, Aaron Henry, Hauser, Kithier. I think that's your starting lineup, and I think frankly that should be the next lineup that they that they look at. Um, and uh, and but um, with with uh, with Langford, did I say with Langford coming off the bench? I said, yeah, that that to me would be the lineup I would go with. And and if I had to guess, if they're truly committed to moving uh, Watts off the ball, that's where they go. Yeah, and that's you know maybe it's a situation where Watts is back at the one because I mean he did play one at, at times in the second half. Um, you know maybe it's I, I think at some point you got to try Hogard in that starting group, because listen, you, you, we forget that they started 13, three against Duke. We forget that, you know, they got blitzed in the beginning of this game. They got blitzed in the beginning of the Northwestern game. I mean, you know, you got to figure out a group that can come out strong and put some points up and, and not give it up as a defensive end, which I think that was maybe, I think you see that nine Oh start immediately. You, you, you think that maybe lawyer, still has to come off the bench and you give Hogarth a try. But um, I, I'd, I'd agree with you, though, about Langford. Um, you know, the question is, I mean, can he be a captain and and, and take that diminished role after all that time off and, and all that work to get back? I don't know. I mean, where's your where's the rest of your team go and where's your captain's psyche go in that moment, too? So those are things that are going to be juggled. But I do think that, um, I mean, obviously you're going to – I don't think there's – any moving Kithier. I thought Kithier probably played the best game of anybody at that at Williams Arena the other night for Michigan State. Um, he was steady and contributed on the boards, and but you still saw his defensive limitations against a real big guy, a, a true eight seven footer. So, but uh, Nebraska doesn't have that. So, yeah, it will, it will become interesting though because at a certain point, you know, you are going to face some some bigs that were. You know, you you know, how do you deal with Luca Garza and Kofi Coburn and and you know and, and most teams have a big that is an issue in this league, and so um, 
you know, what do you do so there? You don't, have, you don't have Tillman, but but you you forget though that in those games last year, um, the, the times where Tillman was on the bench, that the Bingham played pretty well in those games against Coburn and, and Garza. And my, um, my inclination, block shots and, my inclination for this team would be to go small more often. And, and that includes Gabe Brown at the four. Uh, he's really struggled elsewhere. He's a guy who at the four could live behind the three-point line of that trailing three and other things, and he's wiry enough, you know, to, to do it and, and, um, and to try to get out and um, to get out and, 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 and make, you know, make it tough on other people. Luca Garza, for example, does not want to guard Joey Hauser. That's not a great matchup for him. Now, Hauser's not lightning quick where he's going to – but he can shoot – it brings Luca Garza out – you know, beyond the, beyond the, the, the basket or beyond the three point line. And, and maybe that's something you look at where you're, you're doubling him anyway, you're going to figure out, you're going to have to give up some there. You know, maybe the, the answer is play to your strengths. Where can you make life a nightmare for some of these big men? Um, and maybe Hauser at the five is the answer there. But again, as we've talked about, you know, your defense, if you're going lawyer, Hauser doesn't work. And so they're gonna have to figure that out. I don't know that the that, that Hogard defensively is the answer there either. Um, you know, maybe it's Henry more at the point. Uh, you know, that's one suggestion. I, you know, it, 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 they've, they've got a little of a conundrum. I, I also think, um, you know, playing the point guard differently with Rocket Watts is okay. You know, it, it, you're not, you know, it's, it's the thing about Watts, though, is he's more help. I mean, when you're playing in that middle third of the court in college basketball, it is so plugged up. And that's where the point guard plays for Michigan State. Getting him out of that, I think, is, is essential. And, and, um, and that's, and that's part of the trouble right now. Well, and the other guy that we never really talk about and never really gets talked about is Malik Hall because I think he's been playing fairly steady. What do you do with him? Um, you know, he's looked good coming off the bench, but at some point you need that that you need someone who can put the ball in the basket in the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, and he's, and he's a guy though. If you go small, I think gives you some flexibility at that that five too. You know what I mean? Like. He's a guy who, who, you know, I, I um, and I'm not saying you're giving up completely on Marble and Bingham, but at some point, if they are disadvantages, and I and Marble played really well at times. Marble, maybe, you know, I think you got to just settle on some guys here and there sometimes and say we're going to ride this out. You know, if you think Matty Sissoko is going to be ready in five games to be a major contributor, but he needs some time to grow into that, then you got to play him and deal with the consequences. You know what I mean? Like. Those are things they're going to have to – those are decisions that Izzo is going to have to make and those coaches as they see guys and how close to being ready they are and how they envision this all this all fitting. And, and there are going to be some unhappy guys as they try to fit into different roles. And, and, you know, what's fascinating about this team too is, I, I you know, this is getting way ahead of things. But you got three guys on this team who I think planned to be in the NBA when they started this year out. Um, and, and Aaron Henry and, and Rocket Watts and Joey Hauser. I'm talking about next year's draft. And, um, you know, I don't know that and, and the NBA doesn't care how teams are doing when they're evaluating talent. But I also don't know that, uh, <laughs> you know, and things can change quickly. Uh, but I, I also don't know that, you know, the, the, the NBA is looking at any of those guys right now like uh, we'd, we'd like you, you know. So th- this could be. Yeah, these we're, not, we're not talking first round picks. We're talking about draft picks, period. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, Aaron Henry right now is, is got got some work to do and, and, and again what he's wanted for isn't scoring but and i think he'll test the water certainly again um you know rocket watts would be interesting it, it, one of the things Watts said that was i thought was interesting in a conversation before the season that happened the day after the draft because they had the late draft this year 
Yeah. Was he was he said it was eye opening. He said mm, he just kind of had this. It was interesting how late some of the guys he thought and respected in the college game went. And you know, Watts is not an idiot. You know, he, he's a he's a tough kid. He's not a moron though. And um, you know, I don't think he'll. You know, who knows how many years he's willing to play college basketball? But uh, I also don't think if he thinks he's not going to have to play the point next year, if he thinks he can. You know, if he, if he needs to play another year, I wouldn't be surprised if they wind up with a lot of these guys back, which could create even a more loaded roster and some, a really interesting year a year from now. Sure. I, I'm going to take a Did that fl- answer your question, Phil? Yeah, you did, did very well. Uh, I am going to take a flyer and say that Hogard starts Saturday night versus Nebraska. You know, he had nine points, and up until the last minute when Aaron Henry hit a – hit a jumper and a couple free throws in garbage time. He was the Spartans' leading scorer. So I th- I think Izzo will see that and see how it was like, well, maybe we'll just throw him out there for a game and see what happens. It really can't be any worse than what's <laughs> transpired if, so if far at this point. If there's anything that Tom Izzo looks for, it's the guy who scores the most, right? I mean, I'm just uh, – you. I understand. <laughs> I understand what you, that – that's not the be-all, end-all. But I, I think it's something to Sorry. hang your – no, no, you're that's right. That's facetiousness. <laughs> But it, That's facetiousness for those listening at home that didn't quite catch it. <laughs> when you're looking for positives, though, I think it's something to hang to maybe hang a hat on. I don't know. Like I said, as I said, just taking a flyer on it for Saturday night. Okay, well let's uh, let's move on to football here. Uh, we'll talk about this for a few minutes. Uh, Michigan State has one new incoming player, and he decided to announce it at 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Uh, a great time for all of us for. You know, a player to announce his intentions, and uh, this player is Duke defensive end Drew Jordan. Uh, he is he is a graduate transfer. He played four years at Duke, started the last three years, but uh, obviously with 2020, you know, being a free year for everybody, he's decided to take advantage of that and transfer to Michigan State for a year. And Michigan State does have its two starting defensive ends returning in Panashuk and a Drew Beasley, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see. We're, we're about, I'd say 99.9% sure, but he hasn't. Panasuk hasn't officially made it official, but oh, I thought he's he already been, did. He's, no, he's just teased it, like putting down the Michigan game day. He hasn't just come out and said, "I'm coming back," like Beasley kid. I don't know why he wouldn't, but yeah, I, I think it's safe to say he will be. But at the very least, it builds depth. But excuse me, builds depth. But uh, yeah, we'll see where he kind of fits into the equation. Uh, Chris, what do you? I mean, what do you think of of the the pickup for Tucker there? Yeah, it's it, it's a that's a, a significant area of need because they struggle with pass rush and you know, more depth and more quality depth you have there. I mean that's I mean you, you think back they they were at a point where they lost uh, Austin Robertson, they lost Josh King, um, they were kicked off the team, and you know it was it was panic point. And if Kenny Wilkes didn't develop, they might not have had much of a pass rush at all uh, the last few years. But you saw how how important it was for them to have a pass rush uh, for those defenses in 2017, 2018, uh, even in 2019, I think Willikus was down. So you need that depth um, at defensive end. And they, you know, Jack Camper hasn't really kind of turned the corner yet. And he's been beset by injuries throughout his career and, you know, get converted tight end. You can only convert so many guys at this point. And I think that's what you're seeing from Mel Tucker. They, he wants guys that are position specific. He doesn't want to, experiment right now he wants guys that are going to be uh that have a role a defined role and and play it to the best and i think it's what you see with with drew jordan yeah i i, I think you know what, what they want is and you see this when you bring in an anthony russo as a one-year guy right is 
is to make sure they're competitive while they try to build this, you know, and um, to make sure they have, you know, a lot of this to me is, you know, you bring in a guy for one year who's a solid defensive end, you bring in a, a quarterback who, you know, gives you a baseline at that position. Um, you're trying to be, you're trying to be, make sure you're competitive um, in, in the short term. And, and, uh, and, and I, I think that's, I think that's smart in a lot of ways and, you know, in, in creating a baseline for guys to have to beat out to, to play. Um, I think the defense next year could be interesting. I, I think I have no idea. Like, again, I, I thought they were going to be bad defensively this year, and but I had no idea Shakur Brown was going to become the player he did. Um, and Angelo Gross was going to be as good as he was and that that position would become strength. So I don't want to say they're going to be bad at corner next year because I have no idea. Um, you know, and but I, I can also see a scenario next year where, uh, they're hurting a little on the defensive side. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm still not certain who's going to be there and who isn't going to be there when they right. do finally get started in January or whenever it's going to be. I, I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see one or more quarterbacks still leave. Um, you know, I mean, when you bring in a graduate transfer, when you bring in a high school kid, and when you got a kid who's a redshirt freshman and who's going to be a redshirt freshman again next year, um, you know, those, those guys trapped, you know, like Noah Kim and Theo Day, you know, the, who didn't play this year, what, what's the writing on the wall for them? So, I, you know, then you got to go explore the transfer market again to get more depth. So I, I think that, you know, hey, Tucker promised a roster overhaul. I don't think he's done yet either. I think it's I think there's more to come. Since since last week, we've had uh, we've seen Michigan State have two departures and cornerback Chris Jackson, which is probably the most significant of the two. And then long snapper Jude Pedrazo. So just two of those just quote unquote just two departures in the past seven weeks Chris Jackson probably the most interesting of those a guy who started two games the first two games then got hurt and then uh kind of disappeared from from the team yeah and then I had heard on that one that that he had himself left the team so you know it's it, it certainly wasn't playing time I don't think it was I mean the guy started at the beginning of the year and and he was starting started again when he came back so you know, certainly something else there, I think. And, you know, with Pedrozo, I mean, they brought in Hank Pepper from Arizona, and that's one of those situations that the writing was on the wall. I, yeah, I don't know how the world of long snappers works, but I did find it interesting that, you know, Pedrozo was basically did, did every long snap for the past two years, and then they're just, he's just, they more or less feels like they just jettisoned him for, for this guy. And so uh, maybe there's a secret world of long snappers where everyone knows that, you know, this Hank Pepper guy is really you know, that much better than Pedrozo that, uh, that this move. Hey, you don't, necessary. you don't give a scholarship. You don't give a scholarship to a long snapper. If you aren't committing to a long term. That's right. Well, wiser words have never been spoken. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Gotcha. I live in the world of specialists guys. That's, that's kind of just my thing. It's your forte. But, but I'll throw, I'll throw the term. I'll throw two words out there for you. Go for it. Matt G and Papa. That's all. Matt G and Papa. Look I, it up. I say, I do I do not know who that is. <laughs> Rocky Lombardi also announced that he was heading to Northern Illinois after he uh, announced that he was transferring from Michigan State. Do you guys feel that Northern Illinois is a, a proper home for him, or or what? Great fit. You know, we've talked about this before, right? His issues at Michigan State are going to be his issues everywhere. Uh, on third and four, on a seven yard out, um, I'm betting against the completion. You know, <laughs> and that's the problem. Like that it doesn't really matter what level you're at there. I mean, I guess you go down to a, 
certain level. Gus Ornstein got to row in college and got him to a D three national title. <laughs> and a star, but but you know, like it's the, the imprint of Gus Ornstein's body is still at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, <laughs> Carolina, in the turf. But like so, you know, I, but. He reminds me a little of Chandler Harnish, who actually had a cup of tea in the NFL and was a really good player there. And early Chandler Harnish was a guy who I did not think had great touch on the underneath stuff, could throw a deep okay, was good in read option stuff. It is a wind tunnel in Husky Stadium. I've covered a lot of games there. It's not an easy place to play quarterback. Um, and Lombardi will be good and used to that. You want to be a sturdy dude. and that. I mean, it, it, it is a fit. It's a good fit. Whether he wins the job and has two successful years there, I have no idea. Um, he did he was planning to play two years, which I, which you know, he's got that extra time because this is a free year, um, and I, he wants to be a quarterback. And so I, I, I give him credit for finding fit and and finding a level that he probably gives him a better shot, and finding a place, a school that fits what he does well. So we'll see if it works out. Well, and I think the the big thing for him as well. I mean, you know, you know where the physical issues are at the Power Five level, um, but at the same point. He, he won four of his nine starts. Um, you know, that's, you know, he, he beat two ranked teams. So, I mean, he's going to be a commodity in that transfer portal. And I think the other thing is you look at how much and how, how respected and how much his teammates praised and are, are missing him um, immediately and how many well wishes he got from guys. I mean, there was a lot of sense. Usually you see the fake platitudes uh, out there on social media, but I think a lot of those guys genuinely um, really like Rocky Lombardi. Um, and I think they liked his leadership and, you know, it's a tough spot to be in as a guy who was recruited by someone else and, you know, getting the job, but then seeing someone bypass you down the stretch after you got hurt. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a cruel business, but it, that's that's the nature that Tucker is showing right now that he is at this point all business and you know that's you know that's kind of uh, you know that's a that's a, a, a tough situation for some twenty some year old kid to learn and understand but you know he comes from a family of coaches so I think they they see the writing that was there and I think that's why he transferred while he's got the the mojo and and shown that he can do these things rather than changing position or any other thing that I've heard mentioned. So, you know, wish him well. Cause I think that, you know, it, it, it's not going to be easy. I don't think he's going to, like you said, I don't think he'll be given the ball right away um, or immediately unless he goes out and earns it. I think that's where he's at. I think he's, he realizes now though, that you leave this program in the comforts, you got to prove it from day one. So you, you want to know my Northern Illinois to MSU connection in uh, football is before I, worked out with the Michigan State football team in 2013 in June. Um, I went to go do a story, a couple stories, one on Mark Montgomery, the former MSU basketball assistant, another on Lou Dawkins, uh, and whose son Dorian had died, and it was an assistant basketball coach at Northern Illinois. And I knew I was going to be working out with the MSU football team for the week coming up, and I was nervous as hell about the physical exertion, whether I could do it without dying. And so I went over to Husky Stadium after the, the interviews, and ran gassers on Husky Stadium to prepare to play it, to be at uh, MSU's football complex. And so the coaches could look out, and there's some random uh, dude in his 30s r- running gassers across the Husky Stadium football field. So there, there's a story for you. <laughs> that's, that's an image I don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> love, thankfully, the pictures of that, of that day in East Lansing have 
Ken Manning putting you to the grindstone are still in existence. So what's it's interesting, the day of the photos isn't that bad. Like I showed up and they were, they agreed to it. I had to sign a waiver and I think they were worried I was going to die. So they, they had me come on a day that was a lot of skill work. It was, it was not easy, but it was not like a day where you were, you know, really about to heave. Right. And so I, and I was like, I can't turn this into a column. This wasn't hard enough. And I was in good shape back then. I'm sort of the end of my athletic prime, 33. And, um, and so I said, I've got to come back. I need a day that's harder. And they said, all right, come back Thursday. And that was the day they uh, ran Spartan Stadium in the steps. And that was the day that I thought I was going to tumble down into my own vomit. And I could just hear Danny's <laughs> voice yelling, three more. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't do this. As, as someone who had to run steps quite a bit uh, in high school, uh, was that your first experience with that? Uh, first experience trying to keep up with Division One athletes. Not first experience on steps, but – um, it, it's a little different when it's like the Darquez Denard in front of you. And, um, <laughs> and you're like, that's the guy. And you've got people, I was not last. That's the hard thing. I didn't want to go with the linemen. So I was with the group they called, uh, big skill, which I've always liked, which is like quarterbacks, running backs, linebackers. And so you can't, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to hold everybody up. I'm there and they're, they're there to get, they're there to work. And so I, I was very proud of my ability to complete it. Um, and, um, yeah, it, I, I would hate to do it now. I would actually die now. But <laughs> seven, eight years ago, I, I'm dying thinking of it. There's, I have a, I have a picture. I have a picture from from my high school baseball days, from from one of our practices of running stairs of myself and a few others who who did go on to college sports. And uh, you know, I, I always look at that picture and and remember how awful awful running stairs was and how how. I never really understood how that actually helped a baseball player. <laughs> no, I just passed out with the mere thought of running 30 steps. So, yeah, Speaking, I would not make it. One more fun story that I'll get Cody Tucker in trouble, but I don't really care. Uh, our former colleague, you know, his story with the baseball and conditioning is he showed up um, for an open tryout to a junior college baseball team. And Cody's a big dude, was hitting him over the fence. And so they said, all right, they gave him a scholarship. Come back, come back in the fall. And so he didn't realize when he, when they meant working out, like all he did was do steroids and lift. He didn't do run a single, uh, a, a, you know, run a single <laughs> thing. And he came back to run the mile and he hadn't run all summer. And he, he was this, he beat one kid and he found out the kid was just finished his last chemo treatment. <laughs> oh, what a, what a way to, what a way to end 2020. <laughs> yeah. That is, that, that is, that is a 2020 ending right there. That's all I wanted for the LSJ softball team when Cody showed up was the steroids from Mexico. <laughs> but that that feels like the Cody, uh, that feels like the Cody Tucker I know. Oh <laughs> uh, well, you know, hopefully, hopefully, twenty twenty one doesn't involve any any rogue softball injuries that, for your team. Yeah. I agree. Now that I've, I I don't that's, I don't necessarily know if I've officially hung up the the glove, but um, someday maybe I'll play on a whim but you would be welcome back anytime maybe maybe, maybe when my kids get older they can push my wheelchair over and, yeah. and help me onto the under the ceremonial uh first paging first base coaching box how that how's that sounds, sounds beautiful i've already ta- i've already <laughs> taken the picture where i put my cleats by first base and announce my retirement on social media. So we're good. Good. No more. No more. No more weak line. No more weak ground balls to the shortstop for me. Oh, that's crap. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Any fi- oh, any man. any final thoughts before we leave the hellscape that is 2020? Well, I just I let's enter the transfer portal for 2021. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think you know from a basketball team standpoint, this team it may not be the complete you know finished product. It may not be as far along as maybe we thought you know five weeks ago, four weeks ago. But I, I do think it's going to be a fascinating season, an interesting team, and, and there's enough talent for people to have some hope and. and um, I, I think it could be fun to watch and follow. It's not going to be short on storylines. Let's put it that right. way. Right. I think that's that's how they are entering 2021. And you know, how is that any different though? Maybe than when they entered 2020 or 2019. I mean, you know, that's this is this is the time where Izzo finds out what his team actually is. So, you know, don't hit Panicsville yet, but you know, maybe you're on the outskirts of Concern Town. Maybe in three days from now, if they inexplicably lose in Nebraska, maybe 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 we almost cross the city line into into Panicsville. Uh, well, I, I believe Panicsville is in northern Nebraska. So. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us for this edition of Spartan Speaking, production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and the USA Today Network. If you enjoy this podcast and the work surrounding it, please consider subscribing. You can follow our coverage at lsj.com, and on Twitter at graham underscore couch at chrysolari at Phil underscore friend and LSJ Green White. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.